0: Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. All right. Well, as kids head back with Miss Rhonda to the Fellowship Hall for Kids Church, let me invite you to take your Bibles and go to Genesis chapter 35. Uh, Before we get into that, um, he didn't know I was going to do this. So Gary Buckner, will you come up here for just a second? I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot for, for just a sec. Um, I, I was hoping he was he would, he would make it here one Sunday before they move. And so when I saw him walk in the door, I said, all right, I'm going I'm to throw a curveball in. Um, uh, many of you may, if, if you've been here uh, maybe within the last year or so. Oh, here comes Maylee too. She wants to come up and... <laughs> Bring on up. Tell you what, Pat, come on up too. Y'all, y'all just all come up. I'll, I'll just get you all up here. Um, so, if, if, if you've not been here for a long time, um, you, you haven't seen Gary and Pat much. They, they are members here. Uh, Gary has served as, as our uh, association's uh, director of missions, or in uh, March, April, June? March, uh, he got a new title, and that is Association Mission Strategist. Um, and so what that means is he serves the 23 churches in the uh, Mountain Valley Baptist Association. Uh, so most Sundays he's somewhere between Otero and, and Lincoln counties, uh, uh, serving churches, ch- preaching oftentimes, or at least at least checking in on them. Um, as of Friday, you're a retired man, aren't you? So uh, yeah. Um, Gary and Pat have served uh, the churches here for the last seven years, um, and uh, they they're now retiring and, and planning to move back to Texas soon. They've, they've sold their house here, and uh, so we just wanted the opportunity to to honor them and to pray for them as they as they go. So if you'll join with me, let's let's lift up the Buckners this morning, Father. I thank you so much for Gary and Pat and for Maylee and for what they've meant to this church particularly through through those years of transition, as Gary was an integral part of leadership here, and for what he's meant to the association, as he's led these 23 churches, uh, many of them through some tumultuous times, and and walked faithfully with them. I thank you for what he's meant as a a friend and a brother in ministry, and so for for Gary and Pat and Maley, as they enter this next chapter, we pray your blessings upon them, that you will go before them, you'll smooth out the uh, housing and and everything in in Texas. Pray your hand will guide them and she'll give them wisdom. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. All right, thank y'all so much. <laughs> when. One of the things I've seen in my own kids' lives is when you're around churches a lot, uh, especially when your when your dad's a pastor, church becomes a second home, um, which which means sometimes they like to run around stages and such, right? But but man, let me tell you what a what a blessing it is to to know that church is a second home and uh, to have to have children who feel right at home in in church. Um, all right. So so as we dive into Genesis 35 and 36 this morning, really we're going to focus just on a, a set of verses. In chapter thirty-five in Jacob's life, um, last week we, we covered about seven chapters. N- next week we're going to cover like thirteen or fourteen as we look at the life of Joseph. Um, so th- this morning we're going to we're going to look at just a very small picture. But the last year or last week we looked all at the life of Jacob. We looked at the uh, the ways that he was deceptive uh, and, and how he stole Esau's birthright and then turned around and. Stole Esau's blessing. And then how he was himself deceived uh, by his uh, eventual father-in-law Laban. uh, As he uh, worked seven years to marry uh, Laban's daughter Rachel. Ended up being deceived and uh, was instead married to Leah. And then had to work another seven years for Rachel. And, And all the chaos that that caused... And we even saw as he prepared to meet his brother Esau for the first time in in many years after stealing his blessing. And the the wonderful picture at that uh, reunion was for us. Then we saw in chapter 34, uh, Jacob's daughter Dinah was raped by men in the land. And and really what, what may have been Jacob's lack of leadership in allowing his sons to, to go and, and cause destruction and, and the, the chaos, again, that erupted because of that. This morning, we, we turn our attention, really, to an encounter with God that Jacob had. As we've talked many times throughout this series, we've seen glaring character flaws. We've seen folks do... It, Incredibly, incredibly wicked things, even though they're the heroes of the Old Testament. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob saw that all of them had major character deficiencies, and yet the Lord never ceased using them. And we've said many times throughout the series that, that that should, I think, give us hope that God can use us. That God uses messed up people and that that's good news for us. Now, in your, in your bulletin, the, the title for this morning was Promises Kept. Um, I, I came up with that because I felt like I needed to put some sort of title in the bulletin on Thursday morning. And then Thursday afternoon and Friday morning, uh, as I really dove into this passage this week, kind of my, my thinking on the passage changed. And so this morning, if if I were to retitle this, it would simply be an encounter with God. An encounter with God, because really in, in Genesis chapter 35, verses 9 through 15, this is what we see. We see Jacob, in all of his human shortcomings, having a powerful encounter with God. So if you will stand with me, let's read Genesis chapter 35, verses 9 through 15. This is, what the, this is what the word of the Lord says. God appeared to Jacob again after he returned from and Aram, and he blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob. You will no longer be named Jacob, but your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. God also said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation, indeed an assembly of nations, will come from you, and kings will descend from you. I will give to you the land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, and I will give the land to your future descendants. Then God withdrew from him at the place where he had spoken to him. Jacob set up a marker at the place where he had spoken to him, a stone marker. He poured a drink offering on it and anointed it with oil. Jacob named the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. And just as Jacob had an encounter with you at Bethel, I pray that we here at First Baptist Church this morning would have an encounter with you. Will you speak through your word in a way that only you can? I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you. You can have a seat. All right, so here's uh, what I've done the last few weeks is, is started developing what I, what I call a sermon and a sentence, right? So if, if I had to boil everything that I'm about to tell you over the next 30 minutes or so into one sentence, this would be it. An encounter with God Almighty always leads to a new identity, a renewed purpose, and authentic worship. So an encounter with God Almighty always leads to a new identity, a renewed purpose, and authentic worship. We're going to see all three of those things in the text before us this morning. First off, we'll talk about a new identity. So in chapter 32, a few chapters back, God had already changed Jacob's name to Israel. Jacob meaning he grasps, he grasps the heel, uh, which would follow that idea of him being deceptive, to he wrestles with God after the, the scene of Jacob wrestling with, with the angel and, and not being overcome. And as we'll see, that, that name will hold up for the rest of his descendants as the people of Israel who wrestle with God. And yet, it could be that maybe Jacob has struggled with that new identity. So so here, in chapter 35, God meets Jacob at Bethel again, and he reminds him that his name is no longer Jacob. And in a very real way, he's reminding Jacob, you are not who you once were. Now, we know that Bethel is a significant place in Jacob's life, maybe you have some significant places in your life where, where the Lord spoke to you, where so, some times that you look back, where where the Lord, uh, where you encountered the Lord in a special way, and and even just walking through those through the the doors of that building or or through the gates of that of that camp or that assembly makes an makes an impact on you. Bethel is the first place that Jacob encountered God after he fled from Esau's wrath. So as he's running from the, the carnage that he's created in his own life, he encounters God at Bethel. And God finds him there, and this is what Genesis chapter 28 says. If you want to flip back, you're welcome to. I'll, I'll read it for us. It said, he reached a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. He took one of the stones from the place, put it there on his head, and lay down in that place. And he dreamed. A stairway was set on the ground at its top reaching the sky, and God's angels were going up and down on it. The Lord was standing there beside him, saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your offspring the land on which you are lying. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out toward the west, the east, the north, and the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring." Look, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This place, Bethel, as, as Jacob realized or came to know that as the house of God, Bethel simply means house of God. Now isn't it interesting that here in in chapter 28 he encounters God here, and then at the end of our passage in in chapter 35 we're told that Jacob named the place where God had spoken with him Bethel. Now it could be that that in chapter 28 Moses just just cues us in as to to what's going on that that a place that people in, in his time knew as Bethel is where Jacob met him and, and Jacob didn't actually name this place Bethel until then. It could be that, that Jacob comes to know this place again as Bethel. We don't really know. All we know is that this was a significant spot in Jacob's life. He came to know it as the house of God. In as I said earlier in chapter 32, the Lord changed his name. And here he reiterates that changed name. Jacob's encounter with God led to a new identity. In his case, literally. Now, Now for you and for me, that usually won't happen. At least in that way, right? Most of the time, when you come to faith in Christ, your name is not going to be changed. But make no mistake, when we come to faith in Christ, your identity will change completely. You may have the same name, but you will not be the same person. We see this really throughout Scripture, so if you want to jot these references down, Ezekiel chapter 36, 26, Lord says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Ezekiel, God, God talks to Ezekiel about this change of heart here. As we move into the New Testament, in John chapter 1, verse 12, as John's explaining kind of his prologue who Jesus is, he says this, But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. In Ephesians 2, Paul puts it this way. He says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. And in verse 4, he says this, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. Talk about a change of identity, right? You were dead, but now in Christ Jesus, you've been made alive. Then in his second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. An encounter with God, a true encounter with God, changes your identity. Jacob encountered God himself. In fact, this is the first use in Genesis 35. This is the first use of the term El Shaddai, which is not just an Amy Grant song. That really is a name for God in the Hebrew. And translated, it simply means God Almighty. This is the first time that that term's used. When God says to Jacob, I am God Almighty, Because Jacob encountered God, he left there with a new identity. The same is true for us. When we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, when we come to know him as the one who saves from the power of sin and death, we get a new identity in Christ. But not just that, an encounter with God leads to a renewed purpose. Look at me at verses eleven and twelve real quickly. God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation, indeed an assembly of nations, will come from you, and kings will descend from you. I will give to you the land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, and I will give the land to your future descendants. Now, now this was not a new promise. In fact, it had been given a number of years earlier to Abraham. In fact, the first time that God called Abraham in chapter 12, he says, get up, pack everything that you have, and go to a land I will show you, because I'm going to make you into a great nation. And here, that, that promise is expanded a little bit to, to Jacob. It says not just a nation. In fact, I'm going to make an assembly of nations. And not only that, but kings will descend from you. Gives him a renewed purpose. God's already promised he'll be with him. We saw that in chapter 28. Look, I am with you. will watch over you wherever you go. So for Jacob, his renewed purpose here was to continue seeing his family grow. About 25 years after this scene, Jacob and his family will move to Egypt under the protection of his son Joseph who, through a series of events that, that we'll take a look at next week, His son Joseph becomes the second in command to Pharaoh himself. And when Jacob and his family go to Egypt, we're told that there were about 70 people. Now, 400 years later, when the children of Israel leave Egypt, the estimates are that there's somewhere around 2 million people in the house of Israel, the Hebrew children that leave Israel. Now, if you, if you look at this, nothing changed. God, God didn't change Jacob's occupation. At this point in his life, God, we're not told that, that God gave him a new job, gave him a new direction. He renewed the purpose that he had already given to him. And here's, here's the reality, right? Most of the time, coming to faith in Christ does not mean that your entire career changes. It might that's certainly within the realm of possibilities, but I mean, God, God could always place a radical calling upon your life to, to leave your career behind, but most of the time, it simply means that the purpose of your life, the purpose of your career, changes. So when we come to faith in Christ, suddenly life is not about you and what you want. So, for instance, a teacher who, who follows Christ becomes a teacher who's being used by God to teach young minds to the glory of God as a light in what oftentimes is a dark place. A pilot who follows Christ becomes a pilot flying his plane to the glory of God and seeking to make followers of Christ and disciples as he does so, or she A stay-at-home mom following Christ becomes a mom who's leading her children in the ways of the Lord. And see, I'm afraid this is something we've not taught well throughout maybe the last 50 years or so in American Christianity. Because serving Christ does not necessarily mean packing up your family and heading heading to live overseas, although it might And it doesn't necessarily mean quitting your job and going to seminary to become a pastor, although it might. Rather, serving Christ means coming to see the place where God has placed you right now as your mission field. I'm I'm really excited about uh, the way that the Southern Baptist Convention is embracing this. One of the ways is through a new initiative called go GoTo. You haven't heard much about it yet. There will be more about that. GoTo is a call to college students who as they graduate from college are being asked to pray about taking whatever career that they're going to have and moving either somewhere in North America and going to be a part of a new church plant serving in the, uh, working in their career field in in a city in North America and serving in a church plant in some of the most unreached places in North America or taking that career overseas and going to serve alongside a foreign missionary for two years. Go to, two years. Another initiative that we see through uh, the Summit Church in North Carolina is done is not just to take college students, but then to also talk to retirees and say, listen, as you, as you are retiring, would you consider taking two years and going either to serve overseas for two years with one of our international missionaries, or would you consider going somewhere in North America and partnering with a church plant and, going and bringing a level of maturity?" To what are often, so, so the thing about church plants is most of the time, uh, they're kind of known throughout the Southern Baptist Convention is that's where all the millennials go, right? You, go to, you flock to a, to a new church plant. The, the problem with millennials is they have a lot of excitement and a lot of energy and not always a lot of wisdom, as, as, as I think many young generations do, right? So the call is, listen, is, would, would, would our retirees consider going for two years living in a city somewhere in North America and serving alongside this church plant to bring a level of depth and maturity to young pastors, young families. It might mean that God's calling you. Whatever career field you're in, to serve. It could mean staying here in, in Alamogordo, well beyond what you, ever thought of, what you ever thought possible when you first moved here. I mean, God's calling you to a specific place in North America or overseas to serve him. Because here's our, here's our mission. Here's our marching orders in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. The last words that, that Matthew records Jesus speaking to the disciples, and he says this, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, you've probably heard that uh, proclaimed, much, much like what I just did, right? Go. Go, meaning we got to pack up and get on an airplane and go somewhere, which is certainly part of it. In Acts 1:8, that Jesus' call is to make disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the ends of the earth is part of that. But he starts in Jerusalem. He starts where the disciples were. And this go in Matthew 28. A more accurate translation of that would be, as you are going. See, even in the first century, Jesus knew that, that people were already going places. They would go to the market. They would go to their jobs. And the idea was, as you are going, make disciples. So it's not necessarily a command to pack up and go somewhere. Although, as we said, those those callings exist, those are very real, and, and it could be that someone here is being called to go. But the thing that all of us are called to do is to make disciples right where you are. As followers of Christ, this is one of our primary purposes in this life. A renewed purpose. And so, so my question to you is, is, how are you serving now? How are you making disciples now? There's been a meme that's floating around, and, and uh, maybe you've seen it with the two ladies yelling and then the, with the cat on the other side, and used in all kinds of uh, contexts. Christians, as we do, kind of co-opt those things, right? And, and, and I've seen some floating around that are ministry. And one of them has the, the two ladies screaming, I'm called to ministry, and the cat saying, you won't even serve in the nursery. <laughs> I, feel to, I feel called to go to the nations. You won't even stack chairs, right? Like, like, let's put these into perspective. Serving Christ does not have to be some big, uh, life-changing, dramatic event. It can start small. stacking chairs, scrubbing toilets to the glory of Christ. And yeah, maybe packing up and going. What's the purpose that God has called you to? How can can an encounter with God Renew your purpose right here, right now. Then finally, an encounter with God leads to authentic worship. Well, hang on, I thought worship was an encounter with God. Well, yes. But a true encounter with God leaves us with no choice but to worship as we come to realize who he truly is. And in verses 14 and 15, we see this. Jacob set up a marker at the place where he had spoken to him, a stone marker. He poured a drink offering on it and anointed it with oil. And Jacob named the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. See, see, Jacob's encounter with God led him to worship. Jacob set up a marker, and we're told it was a stone marker. In other words, this was something that was supposed to last for a long time to be a continual reminder of the encounter that he had with God. And then he pours out a drink offering and he anoints that place with oil. Now, it's, it's likely, in fact, it's, um, it's, it's probable that both the wine that he used for the drink offering and the, the oil that he used to anoint the altar were expensive. Worship, real, authentic worship, Requires sacrifice. We see this as a theme throughout Scripture. So, for instance, if we fast forward in the Old Testament a few hundred years, we come to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel tells about the the life of King David, his his rule. In 2, 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24, King David is setting up an altar. And he seeks to buy this threshing floor where he's going to create this altar from a man named Aruna, in order to set up this altar to worship. Aruna recognizes David as the king. And so he offers to provide David anything he needs as a gift. You don't have to pay me. I want to give this to you because you're the king. He offers to give him oxen for the offering. He even offers to provide oxen the wood to build the fire. But David insists that he purchase it. And this is what he says in 24-24. The king answered Aruna, No, I insist on buying it for you from you for a price, for I will not offer to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Worship requires sacrifice. In the Old Testament, literally. As, as people went to worship, they would take offerings, they would take bulls, they would take rams, they, they would take doves. They, they worship cost something literally. As a constant reminder that God was in charge of it all, that God owned it all. Nothing belonged to them. So I'll say as we as we take up our offering every Sunday at the end, that, that we, this is a continuation of the time of response as a, as a reminder that the Lord owns everything. We own nothing. You know, in, in the New Testament, it's interesting that Jesus talked more about money than, than any other subject. You ever, you ever considered that? Jesus said a lot, taught a lot. He taught more about money than any other subject, not because Jesus was greedy, but because he understood, and he wanted his listeners to know, those that he was teaching. He wanted the, the people that he was with to know that the bank account is a barometer of worship. We sacrifice for the things we worship. Jacob's sacrifice cost him with expensive wine and oil. And worship costs us as well. In our kind of three purposes, we've said we want to be a church that loves, serves, and gives. In giving, we said we want to be people that give of our time, of our talents, and of our treasures. It costs time to gather with God's people. And I know Sunday morning is not always the most convenient place, the most convenient time, Right? Maybe it cuts into sleep sometimes. We we certainly no longer live in a culture where Sunday morning is sacred and blocked off of everybody's calendar. So gathering with God's people to worship means saying no to other things. I was in a Facebook chat this morning with with a deaf pastor I know who said their church will not meet today because all, it's an important word, all of their men are out hunting. And their wives won't come to church without their husbands. I don't have time to break down all the idolatry that I see in that that sentence, other than to say worship requires sacrifice. My recommendation was to him was that he just ask for 10% of whatever meat they get. I mean, that seems like a reasonable... But, but think about that. We're, we're, we can't worship today because we won't have anybody. Nobody will walk through the doors. Immediately after that, in the same chat, by the way, a group of pastors, um, another pastor said, not that we won't meet today, But he walked in this morning to church and smelled gas. They had a major gas leak. They couldn't gather. Now, there were anguish in both of these pastors' hearts for for different reasons. Missing the opportunity to gather with God's people. So here's the reality, right? We We can easily become too busy to make gathering with God's people a priority, and yet, in Hebrews ten twenty four and twenty five, the writer of Hebrews warns us against neglecting to meet together. It says we we must make it a priority in order to encourage and to strengthen one another. Now now listen, I'm sure there are Sunday mornings that you wake up and you go, you know. I mean, I know, you know, we got the world's best-looking pastor, and he's such a blessing. He just he speaks so well, but is it really worth getting out of bed this morning, right? L- listen, can I be honest with you? Thankfully, this doesn't happen often, but, but there are Sunday mornings where the alarm goes off, and I lay there going, so we meet again, huh? and come, it's come around again. But do you know, I can honestly say I, I never remember a Sunday morning where I've gone home, usually, usually exhausted by the time this is all over, gone home and thought to myself, man, what a waste of time. You know, certainly there are Sundays where I look back and say, man, I wish this had gone better. I wish, I w- I wish you know, I'd said this rather than this or, you know, running through my mind all the, all the things that happened that morning. But, but there's never been a Sunday morning where I go home and I'm like, Man, I should have just slept in today. Gathering with God's people and, and encountering the presence of God when the people of God are gathered together is a blessing. In the New Testament book of Romans, Paul calls us to a new kind of worship as well, not not just a mindless repeating of phrases or, or of songs, not not just going through the motions, but real, authentic worship. This is what he says in Romans twelve one and two. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Do we conform to this age? Again, there's all kinds of stuff that that could be happening right now on Sunday mornings, right? My precious cowboys are playing as we speak. There there are distractions that that, that exist in life. Yet Paul would call us, As believers to be different. Not not just different because we go and sit in a church on Sunday mornings for an hour. But transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you may know what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And that comes, he says, through worship. So as we wrap up, here's, here's what we see. Jacob encountered God in a very real way. At a place that had already had a major impact on his life because of the way God had used it, and here, here God meets him there again. And there, God reminds Jacob of his new identity, that he's not who he once was. God's changing his name, but more importantly, he's changing the man. It seems true for us. When we encounter God, we cannot stay the same. We get a new identity. We come to faith in Christ. you got a renewed purpose. Jacob, through you, I'm going to bless all the nations of earth. In fact, many nations. And from you, Jacob, kings will come. To us, he says, listen, you, you get a renewed purpose when you come to faith in Christ. Never underestimate the the impact that a conversation about Jesus can have. Whether you see the the fruit immediately or not, never never underestimate the impact that one person can have for the sake of the kingdom of God. Finally, this encounter with God led to an experience of worship that, so far as we can tell, left Jacob changed. So here's here's the question for you this morning. Have you encountered this El Shaddai? Have you encountered God Almighty like Jacob did? What's keeping you from surrendering your life to him as an act of true worship? What's keeping you from telling God, my life is a blank check to be used by you however You want, whether that's going across the world or going across the street. I'm willing to go. See, Jacob was a a man whose life was a wreck. We looked at that last week. You can read back through really any of Genesis and, and see that lots of people whose lives were wrecks, but who God used over and over and for whom God had great purposes, not because Jacob or Abraham or Noah, or Enoch, or Adam were so great, but because God Almighty is so great that He uses messed up people in incredible ways for the kingdom of God. Have you encountered God? And if so, what are you going to do about it? Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the wonderful opportunity that it is to gather together in worship. That we wouldn't take this for granted, but that we would realize that coming to worship is a chance to meet with you. You've promised us that where two or three are gathered together in your name, you're there among us. Something special happens when God's people gather together to worship. So I pray when we walk through these doors on Sunday morning to gather with other believers, we we wouldn't just take it for granted. We wouldn't make it just another routine Sunday morning, but that we would show up expecting you to meet with us, expecting you to change us. Expecting you to stir our hearts. To turn our attention and our affections on Christ. That every Sunday, we walk out of here saying it was good to be in the presence of God with God's people. We know our lives are messed up. There's not a one of us here that's that escapes that that, that has the picture perfect life. And so I pray you would make us aware of the sins and struggles in our lives that we would confess those and repent. Whether that's for the first time trusting in Jesus as Lord and Savior, stepping from death to life, or or as a continual act of of sanctification in the lives of in our lives as believers, that we would be turning from sin and trusting in Christ daily. And we thank you that you use messed up people in mighty ways. And we praise you, God Almighty, for all that you've done. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.